Well, thank you, uh, Lance and others, for uh, a pastor appreciation gift. I will say that every October there's a argument in the church office uh, between us and uh, Chris Ryder, our church administrator, who she insists on putting it in the bulletin uh, every week uh, in red. Uh, <laughs> uh, though not this week, I noticed, so I need to talk to her about that. But, uh, uh, but, but thank you. Uh, thank you. And I know what you're thinking looking at the bulletin uh, and seeing uh, uh, and hearing this talk of stewardship. I called this sermon what we're all thinking. Oh, no, not a sermon on money because I'm with you. I don't like listening to sermons on money. I sure don't like preaching sermons about money. I've been to those churches that love to preach about money. I've seen the plates passed and then passed again. And again, I've heard of churches asking their members to produce their W-2s so we can confirm you are indeed giving 10%. Usually sermons on money are filled with guilt and emotional appeals. If you don't give more money, our poor children will have to close the Sunday school. Or desperation, if you don't uh, increase your contribution, we'll have to shut the lights off and fire the ministers. No amens? Good. Uh, Or if not guilt or desperation, then fear, which is what I grew up with. Give more or God will judge you. It's no wonder we hate sermons about money. Guilt, fear, desperation. These aren't the kind of themes that fill churches with joy and with people. Well, I have good news for you today. Do not fear. There will be no guilt-filled, desperate pleas for money. In fact, we already passed the plates this morning, and our deacons refused to do it again. I tried, but they refused. That's a lot of work for the deacons. So we're we're just going to talk about money and trust that we'll hear it in a different way because no one wants or needs those types of sermons. And that's why I chose our text for today, because it gives us a better lens at our church life together. It's written by the Apostle Paul, which in a lot of ways is the father of the church. He's the one who took that message of Jesus and organized it into congregations. That's what he did. He was a missionary, and he traveled from town to town, planted churches, and he would leave people in charge of those churches as he went to a new city. And he'd write letters, like the one from Ephesians. He'd write it back to those churches to share his own thoughts and to check in with them. And the text we have today is a prayer. He would do this. In most of his letters, Paul's writing, and all of a sudden, he just bursts out into prayer. This one's one of my favorite texts in all of Scripture, really. Most of our New Testament is these letters from Paul. And a lot of those letters are filled with prayers like the one we read today. And this prayer is for that church, but I think it's also for us, what Paul would pray for us. And he asked in that prayer that God would give us great riches, not those kinds of riches, but the riches of God's glory, so that our inner being would be strengthened with power from the Holy Spirit in times like ours, with so much division in our country, with the church moving more and more to the margins of society, which may be where we should be anyway, but with so much worry and cares of life, our spirits need to be strengthened with power. And Paul prays that we have power, but also that Christ will dwell in our hearts through faith. And that our life together will have deep, deep roots. We're talking about branching out uh, over the next few weeks. But to branch out, you've got to have deep, deep roots. And Paul prays that we will be grounded, 
Not by having everything right or having large cash reserves or a great facility or great programs, but we're rooted and grounded in love, Paul says. That's the foundation of a church. That's what holds the whole thing steady. That's how we grow in love. Not through guilt or gimmicks, but love. That's the source of our life together. But Paul keeps praying from there. He prays that the church will have a greater vision. And this is the part I really love with the prayer, that we will have power to just begin to even understand the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of Christ's love, which he reminds us is uncomprehendable. That God's love is so great that we will never fully grasp it. But Paul prays that we will begin to see the greatness of God's love for us. And knowing the greatness of that love, that we will wake up to the reality of our life together. That the power of God, this great love working within us, can do immeasurably more than anything we could ever ask or even imagine. I've got a big imagination, but that's pretty impressive, more than we can ever imagine. Paul doesn't preach fear and guilt and desperation. Paul prays for power. He prays that the people of God will have a grand vision so that they could see, so that we could see all that God could accomplish among us and through us, more than we could ever dream or imagine. But we've had those church meetings before. You've sat in those church meetings before. But we've never done it this way before. But, but, but if we do that, well, then somebody may get mad, and then they'll leave, and they'll stop giving, and then we'll have less money, and then we'll, you know, we won't be able to pay the light bill. Well, giving's been down for a few years. Here's the chart. You can see it. The graph is going down. If we continue like this, we're going to have to shut the doors, Pastor. Now, you've been in those meetings. I've been in those meetings. That's not the kind of meetings the Apostle Paul held with his churches. That's not how I see him dealing with money in the church. What we do is we look at what we have and then decide what we can and cannot do based on what we have. So risks are often not on the table. We don't rock the boat too much because if we do, well, then who knows what might happen. We treat the offering like a weekly opinion poll of church life. Well, how's the numbers this week? Oh, oh, well, well, things may be down. What can we do to get that back up? I've been in those meetings before, and they're spiritually exhausting. You can feel that power that Paul prays for just draining out of the room. But I've also been in other church meetings, a lot of these meetings lately. Meetings like our board has been having really throughout this whole year as they planned for and then discussed and dreamed off of the World Cafe that we had in June as we sat in tables around the fellowship hall and energy was happening. Imagination was pouring out as the Holy Spirit was moving and the board has been meeting and dreaming off of those conversations, new ways, new things to do with our life together. They've been imagining what God's great power at work within us could accomplish. That has been exciting. Our outreach committee has been meeting extra in the last few months, extra meetings, a committee choosing to meet more than they really have to. Inspired by the things shared at World Cafe, they've been dreaming up new ways to encourage outreach among us and in our community that will not just do great things, but also help us grow in our relationships together. And they've got a plan. They have a plan for the first of the year to have conversations with 200 members of Norwalk Christian Church. 
in the first of the year and to hear from one another to share what's going on in our lives. What are the issues and the pressures facing our families? And then to create an outreach mission around those concerns that we have to start having conversations in the community and to hear what is it going on in other people's lives? What are families facing? What are the struggles out there? And how can we as a church cater our mission to what people are really going through? And what are the things in our community, in our county, in our city, in our schools that that we could work to improve that would make life better and life thrive in Norwalk? I've also been in stewardship and finance meetings this past year that I admit are not my favorite meetings. I look at a spreadsheet and it looks like Sanskrit or something. I don't know. The words just, the numbers just spin in front of me. Uh, David Lester was telling me about the, the, the letter he uh, wrote that's in the bulletin and, and how it kind of stretched him. That's not his, his, the normal thing he does. And I said, well, now you know how I feel when I look at a spreadsheet, David. I, it just, it's a different language. And yet these stewardship and finance meetings lately have been exciting as they've dreamt up ways to do more in our church, to encourage more giving. They've dreamt up this theme of branching out, creativity coming from stewardship and finance committee. This is exciting to me. And they have this image on the bulletin of a, of a church with roots going down, but branches coming out in our mission uh, in the world that we're growing And that's how they're approaching the budget even this year. That it's not something that we're always trimming back, but we're branching out. Because they have hope. Hope that that we can do more and more in our life together. Next week we'll have an annual congregational meeting. But the stewardship and finance group, really, David Lester, uh, after being hit in the head, had (laughs) had this vision of something different. Of calling it a congregational celebration. Yeah, we're going to read the minutes from last year's meeting, and we're going to go over the budget, and we're going to vote on new leaders, and be glad our name's not on that list. But it's a celebration of what we're really doing. The budget is a celebration of our life together, of what we're called to do and the mission God's given us, of all we've done and what God's got ahead of us. At our annual meeting, we'll do that kind of business, but we'll commit together again to be church in this next year. And to find new and exciting ways to do ministry. Now the Sunday after that, as part of this kind of three-week campaign, we're doing something, I don't know, maybe it's been many years ago that this church has done, but something we're calling a Commitment Sunday. And we're asking everyone who wants to participate to prayerfully consider a way to commit our own lives. Maybe it's a financial commitment. Maybe it's a commitment to new ways of doing ministry. In your pews over the last month or so, there's been the, a, a little booklets that say plugging in. Ways that you can connect to what's going on in our church. But that commitment, a chance for us to pledge to support our church mission through our time, through our talents, and through our treasure. It'll be an opportunity for us to challenge and inspire one another around what God is doing in our midst. And how God is calling us individually and collectively to branch out and to do God's mission in the world. So I'm not interested in just talking about money that's boring, and I believe that's not really the mission of the church and of Christ. Because it doesn't matter, really, if our budget's in the black and our plates are full, if we haven't caught the mission of God. There are churches overflowing that stay inside, and the message never goes out. But God's called us to something greater, a power at work within us that is beyond all comprehension. 
A power that leads us to do amazing things, things we could never dream of on our own, but that the Spirit inspires us to do. And if you believe in what God is doing here at our church, and if you want to see even more done in our midst, then let us join together in congregational celebration next Sunday. Let us prayerfully and joyfully and even boldly commit to doing our part to branching out in the mission that God's given us. And if you believe that God has blessed you, that God has blessed us, and if you believe in the work that God is doing in our church, and you believe, if you believe that with God's power we can do more than we can ever ask or even imagine, then let us say together enthusiastically as a church, amen. 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 Let us now come again to the Lord's table where we meet the generosity of Christ right here in our midst.